1: Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a
1: jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like
0: people just abusing other humans, the Makai-Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in, wide open touchdown. First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson. And it goes to Corey Davis. Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slips a tackle. And 69 yard touchdown.
1: hit
0: immediately. And they
1: got the handoff. You know Listen, <laughs> oh thank you.
0: From the playlikeajet.com a jet.com digital studio. This is play like a jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at play like a jet one, and I am joined today by a very special guest. Former New York Jet from 2013 to 2015, 10-year veteran of the NFL. Currently, he's a color commentator for ESPN's college football coverage, and he does studio analysis for SNY. Mr. Leger Douzable Leger, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it.
1: Of course, Scott. Thanks for having me on.
0: Before we get into the Jets, I got to ask you, you played for Rex, mm-hmm. you played for Todd Bowles, <laughs> He give me a little compare and contrast there, and any good Rex stories?
1: I mean, there's always good Rex stories. I mean, <laughs> you saw on Hard Knocks that the, the go, let's go get an effing snack, a uh, story. I mean, the thing is, Rex was so improv impromptu. Like some of his best stuff hasn't even been out there. It's just like, I mean, some things I want to keep in the locker room, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just just the way his mannerisms were, man. It, he, there'd be times where he wasn't even trying to be funny. He would just be hilarious. And Bowles was kind of opposite, right? Um, Bowles could be funny, too. He, he'd throw, like, little, like, quick jabs at you. But he was more stern. Um, you know, he came up through Bill Parcells in that area. So, you know, they're a little bit more strict. Um, Micromanage stuff a little bit more. Where, where Rex was a player's coach, and, and and you hear players all the time talk about it. Like, they would run through a brick wall for, for Rex. But I love playing for both coaches, uh, both defensive minded coaches, both attacking style defenses. They weren't just gonna let the quarterback sit there, sit back in the pocket and be comfortable. So um two different systems, um similar in the in the three-four aspect, but but totally different defenses, but both great coaches.
0: Leger, well, before we jump into it, I just wanna say first of all, congratulations on how your career is going. And one thing that I noticed, and I know that I said this on Twitter, is how you really do your homework and take the job seriously. And one of our guys, Luke Grant, I call him the Thunder from Down Under because he's from Australia. (laughs) He says all the time, it gets on his nerves that punditry in sports has become an ex-player industrial complex. And it's not because he has anything against ex-players. It's that a lot of ex-players rely on the fact that they played the game and that their word carries weight. And so they don't do the homework. And there are a lot of instances of guys where you can tell that they didn't really watch. They didn't really see what was going on. They haven't really studied things. I'll give you one example. I won't say who it was, but there is an analyst who is a pretty prominent player who once said in the lead up to the 2018 draft that he wouldn't take Baker Mayfield because he needs a guy that can go deep down the field. That year, Baker Mayfield was the number one deep ball passer in college football. So it's one of those things that clearly that guy wasn't paying attention. What I love about watching you on SNY and then hearing you for the college football games is that you very clearly do your homework, and when you watch, you're paying very close attention. And that's when a player being a commentator is very valuable because you have an insight that somebody who didn't play the game at a high level wouldn't have. And when you combine that with being there and paying attention and taking notes and studying and all of that... It makes what you're saying so valuable for us to hear at home because it gives us that perspective. So tell me a little bit about what goes into it for you, your preparation and all that.
1: Well, first and foremost, I appreciate you, Scott. And um, a little bit about my life story, and I'm sure you've followed it and looked it up. Um, I was an undrafted free agent coming out of college, Mm -hmm. right? So when you're undrafted, you're literally at the bottom of the barrel and you have to work your way up. So even though when I stopped playing football and retired, I still had that mindset, right? Um, when it came to broadcasting and I was doing it while I was playing for the Jets, I would go on Jets game plan every Tuesday I was off and sometimes even Thursdays during the week, just to hone my craft. And the thing about me is I want to be able to take the average fan and put them in the locker room, in the huddle, and break it down where they could understand it at an elementary level. And I think when I watch film, like I want to put things into perspective and and break it down so the the simplest fan can understand and yes I do my homework it's it's because I love the game of football like a lot of you know not to talk about a lot of different elements, but a lot of guys do this because you know it's just a natural you know thing to do once you retire but this is what I got my degree in like this is what I wanted to do whether I was playing football or not so when you see me with the passion and the film breakdown it's it's because I generally love this. Like I love watching football and, and breaking football down for everybody to understand. And that's how I kind of want to separate myself from everybody. I want to be able to take you into the locker room, take you on the field, take you into the huddle so that you can understand what's going on because you see it all the time on Twitter, Scott, people are bashing players mm-hmm. and they don't actually know what's going on on the field. So I want to be able to educate, you know, people on the field and, and a guy that I really like, a beat writer, DJ, young DJ, I don't know if you follow him. Mm-hmm. He's one of the Jets beat writers. The thing that I respect about him is from day one, he called me and asked me, uh, Chris Williamson put us together in contact, and he was like, I-, I know you played with Salah in San Francisco, you know the defense, like, can you help me out, educate me? And I'm willing to help out any reporter, or beat writer that's never played the game, and help them understand, that way they can actually right and know what's going on on the field but before you just call somebody terrible or they suck realize what is actually happening on the field so I, I i really take it you know i really take it personal when i'm i'm breaking down film and and trying to explain what's going on to the average fan because like i said this is this is my passion this is what i wanted to do coming out of college whether i made it to the nfl or not
0: Let's explore that a little bit because you touched on Salah's defense. It's run by him and yep. Jeff Volbrick. And when you looked at the film, I'm curious to hear what you saw because I thought the defense played a lot better than most of us were expecting, especially when you consider the injuries. Lamarcus Joyner out very early. Carl Lawson was lost in training camp. So that's two of their biggest weapons gone. A couple of late-round rookies were in there. I don't think with that lack of star power, most people were expecting the defense to keep the Jets in this game, but they did. What did you see when you looked at the film?
1: So First and foremost, if you know anything about Robert Sala and the history of what he's had to deal with injury-wise at San Francisco, you wouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. But even I was a little surprised. I'm not going to lie to you, Scott. (laughs) With the young secondary that we had, if you look at the cornerback position, most players in year one and year two— that's usually a script for, for bad success, (laughs) you know, young players playing in the secondary, but I I liken it to 2017 when I was playing with Robert Sala and the San Francisco 49ers, we started off the season. 0 and 9, like it was, it was bad, but this guy never changed. He never batted his eyes. He came in with that energy day in and day out. And we had some young players playing then too, but we ended up winning six out of the last seven were one of the hottest teams, you know, ending the season. And yes, part of that was because we traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, but we had some dominant performances and it, it's because the team was able to gel as the year went on. You know, the young guys were able to step up and make plays. I remember that we had a dominant performance uh, when we played the Chicago Bears. I believe we won 15 to 14 that game, but the defense only gave up seven points. Uh, Tyree Cohen had a punt return and that was the other Bear score. But that was the, the least amount of snaps I ever played in the game, I believe. Um, as a starter, I played like 34 snaps and we only had 40 on defense total. And the thing is, Robert Sala, he gets the most out of out of out of each player that he can possibly get, and he's going to put players in positions to make plays. And if you look at the young secondary, Michael Carter, what he did in the slot, I I didn't see coming. Now he played well in training camp, mm-hmm. but for him to to be able to guard a, a DJ Moore or a Terrence Marshall on slot fades and be able to play the ball to go through the receiver's hands, knock the ball out, PBUs—that's big time for a rookie rookie corner. And Javlin Gidry, like an open field tackle. On Christian McCaffrey, when the game's on the line, you need to get the ball back to your offense. Like, I don't think people understand how impressive that is. Like, Christian McCaffrey is one of the most dynamic, if not the most dynamic player in the NFL. And then open space, you take his, Christian McCaffrey 10 out of 10 times usually. So him, for him to make that play, and then also Bryce Hall played really well, especially in the run game. Him and, and Brandon Enkles coming up in run support did really well. Yeah, we, had, we didn't have a busted coverage on the touchdown of to uh, Robbie Anderson, but we talked about the depth, right? You talked about a Marcus Joyner, a veteran guy, going down. Cedric, Red, uh, Cedric Redwine comes into the game. He'd only been on the Jets for what four or five days. Mm-hmm. And if you know Robbie Anderson, he, he he has a lot of speed, and he's in that slot. He's only going to run a, either a go or a post route. So if you're Redwine, you got to get out of that backpedal and run right in that in that situation. And he he's caught flat-footed. And if Robbie Anderson gets within three yards, and Uh, close to you, it's over with. He's going to score a touchdown. So besides that play, um, there were some leakage yards and, you know, we lost a few linebackers. Jared Davis got hurt in training camp and then Sherwood goes down. But Deshaun Phillips came in and actually played well for a guy that was on practice squad, wasn't even supposed to take any defensive uh, snaps, led the team in tackles. That's something I think Robert Sala will fix this week and then also, I, I could see Adrian Colbert starting next to Marcus May. He's a guy that's real familiar with this defense. And he actually came in in the second half, and that's when the defense started playing even better in that second half because his familiarity with the defense. He's a fast guy, a, a run-hit guy, a guy that can play in the box so he can leave Marcus May, you know, in the post. So in that, in that second half, you know, I felt like the defense at times was dominant. The defensive line started, you know, gelling together. You know, John Franklin Myers had a sack – that first half, but even Quentin Williams and people were talking about he didn't have that good of a game. He had a few quarterback hits, a few run stops. Foley Fadakoski is a grown man in that middle. And J- Jeff Albright did a really good job. We knew that three, there three inside guys on the offensive line. The two guards in the center were kind of the weak, weak link of their offensive line. Plus, John Miller, their starting guard was out with COVID. So you have a backup offensive guard. So what he did is he brought CJ Mosley to the line and had five down linemen to ensure that each one of his defensive tackles would get one-on-one. He kicked John Franklin Myers inside. He beats the backup guard pretty quickly and gets a sack. And there was a couple times where he beat him and and Sam Donald was able to just check the ball down to Christian McCaffrey. Same thing with Sheldon Rankins and and, and Quentin Williams. So, I didn't expect him to go as much man coverage as they did, especially with the type of receivers that Carolina Panthers had. But these young corners, man, they're feisty. They fought, and I love it.
0: Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Leger, on the offensive side of the ball, a little bit of a different story. The offensive line really struggled to block, not only for Zach Wilson, but didn't get a whole lot of push in the running game, so we didn't see much. It seemed like Mike LaFleur's strategy was run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and then set up the pass, but he couldn't do that because they couldn't run the ball. And then, of course, you had the injury to Makai Becton that added... Another element on top of this, and then everybody's talking about Denzel Mims and how he's not getting on the field. He got that one catch for 40 yards, but he barely played. Mm -hmm. So I want to run all this by you. First of all, the offensive line, how concerned are you about them? And now with this Becton injury, how concerned are you about him? What would you think of Zach Wilson's performance overall? And Denzel Mims, what's going on there? Because there's been a lot of chatter. Some people Mm -hmm. say you got to trust the coaching staff. I've said that even if you trust the coaching staff, they're not above being questioned. And to me, it's one Mm -hmm. thing to say Denzel Mims is going to sit on the bench because Corey Davis is out there or Denzel Mims is going to sit on the bench because Jamison Crowder's out there or even Keelan Cole. But when I see Jeff Smith out there over him, it drives me a little bit crazy. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about Wilson, the offensive line, (laughs) Becton and what's going on with Denzel Mims.
1: So we'll start with the offensive line, right? Um, Everything that happened on Sunday is correctable. If you look at the offensive line as a whole, they've been beat up by injuries. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker missed most of training camp, didn't get any preseason reps, which is monumental for a rookie at any position. And then you look at George Fent, was hurt the beginning of training camp, missed about a week and a half, two weeks of training camp. And even Makai had some had an injury <coughs> against, I want to say it was the Philadelphia Eagles and missed some time. So as far as gelling with the offensive line, like the same starting five hasn't really practiced together besides that week leading up to playing the Panthers. So when you have some of those stunts, or we call them Tom stunts on defensive line, where one D, D tackle from the B gap penetrates, hits the center and then ricochets up. And then and those tackle wraps around them. That's all about trusting the guy next to you and timing and execution and communication. And the only way to get that, Scott, is if you practice it. But you can't practice it if guys are on the sideline hurt. So I knew going into that game it would be some struggles. I didn't see six sack struggles. Also, Zach Wilson, about two or three of those were probably on him. He could have got the ball out of his hands. But it's going to take a little time for this offensive line to gel. Now, with the injuries happening, the good thing is George Fenn has played some left tackle and Morgan Moses has come in at right tackle. Now, they're going to have to gel a lot quicker Because Bill Belichick, we know what he does to rookie quarterbacks. So he's going to he's gonna see that film from Carolina. He's going to heat Zach Wilson up. And then he's also going to take away that first read from Zach Wilson, and he's going to show him something he's never seen. So Zach Wilson has to do a good job of getting off that first read and getting to that second and third read a lot quicker. But the issues with the offensive line are definitely fixable. I think Michael Floor can help them too, right? you got a guy like Makai Beckman, even though he's hurt. He's a bigger guy, so the, the zone scheme – is not really great for his forte. You want him going downhill. You want a guy like Morgan Moses going downhill. So the thing that I praise Mike LaFleur about in preseason is that he switched some of the run game up from what he had in San Francisco. I saw some powers in there. I saw some leads with Wesco being fullback. Like, we didn't see any of that on Sunday. So I wonder will he switch it up and do some of that. And off of that, the play action and the bootleg. Like, we started seeing more bootleg the second half. Like, he helped his young quarterback out. The things that Zach Wilson – Thrive that in the preseason was getting the ball out of his hands quick, making quick decisions, and then the bootleg and sprint out, getting him on the edge, using that mobility and using that arm strength. We started to see that come in the second half, and that's when Zach Wilson got in the rhythm and and the offense started flowing. The first half was bad. We all know that. But what I love about Zach Wilson is this kid's fight. Like, a lot of talent evaluators and scouts were saying, well, this kid never really got hit at BYU. Well, that's nonsense. If you saw his tape before last year, he got beat up in that USC game and still fought through some injuries and played that season. So that's nonsense to say this kid never, you know, never really got touched. Yes, he played inferior competition probably last year because, you know, of what the schedule allowed them to do, especially with the COVID year. But what I liked is how he got beat up, battered, beat down. And in the second half, like the kid didn't blink that one time, Scott. He came out, made some big time throws with the game on the line, and you saw that arm talent. You saw the decisiveness. Now, <clears throat> the sack that he took before two minutes is a cardinal sin. You can't do that, right? You're down by two scores. You're trying to score before two minutes so you can get the ball back to your offense, and you gain a timeout right there, Scott, if you don't take that sack. And he actually had Tyler Croft wide open for a touchdown. But I love how this kid came back, and he competed, and and, the, and they literally put the game in his hands, and he didn't blink, and he <laughs> and he showed that he could be a big-time player. And then going to the receiver group, like – I had been saying this all offseason, like not enough people are talking about Corey Davis. Like people act like Corey Davis wasn't a big time free agent signing. Like he almost went for a thousand last year. And know he had some injury issues coming out and his first few years weren't as good as he wanted it to be. But this is a big time player, Scott. This is a guy that isn't like a, a typical wide receiver. Like he's built like a running back. So when he catches the ball and you saw it in the first half, I think he had like a 35 yard catch. And it took about three defenders to bring him down. Like this guy turns into a running back when he gets the ball in his hands. And then he's a veteran guy on the, on the first touchdown by Zach Wilson, pocket breaks down. Zach Wilson rolls out to the right. He's running a, a deep over as a veteran guy. He sees his quarterback needs an outlet, right? So he continues the route and runs it to the sideline and is available for Zach Wilson. And <clears throat> Zach Wilson throws an absolute dart to him for a touchdown on the run. We talk about the off platform throws from Zach Wilson, but the Denzel Mem thing is a head scratcher to me, Scott. Like, Yes, I get, you know, coaches want a particular player in the system, and there's been rumors that, you know, he's struggled to learn all three positions out there on the receiver field. But like you said, with, with Keelan Cole being out, with Jamison Crowder being out, mm-hmm. why couldn't he play on the outside and you slide EJ Moore into the inside? Because obviously, this kid is a big play waiting to happen. You know, six foot two, 215 pounds runs a four three and in 2017 we had a guy uh marquise goodwin who plays for chicago now speedster guy right an olympian and he wasn't the best route runner but defenses feared him because of what he could do as far as stretching the field and i and i feel like michael floor can use him in that same type of way and marquise almost went for a thousand in 2017 that year so i think till this day it was still his his best year as a receiver yet and he like i said he wasn't the greatest route runner so To me, they have to find a way to get Denzel Mims on the field because he's just too good of a playmaker with the ball in his hand not to get him on the field. Yeah, he might not be the best route runner, but as far as scaring defenses and making sure that they keep another safety back because this guy can run past them is monumental in this offense.
0: Couldn't agree more, and I hope the coaching staff comes around to all the things that you just said. LeJay Duzabal, former New York Jet tenure, veteran of the NFL right now, a color commentator for ESPN's college football coverage and studio analyst for SNY for the Jets. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Hope you'll come back soon. For people who want to interact with you on social media and check out the work that you're doing right now, how can they do that?
1: Well, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Liger Keep it simple. Just my first name, L E G E R. Last name, D O U Z A B L E. And for everybody, you tune in to SNY on Sunday. I'm going to do a really cool breakdown on Zach Wilson from last week versus the Panthers. Make sure you tune in.
0: Looking forward to that. Make sure you tune in on Sunday on SNY. Follow Leger on social media. Check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We've got some good film breakdowns, too. Elijah Vera Tucker, that's one that a lot of people have been checking out. Luke Grant put that together. It's on our YouTube channel. So check out all our videos and subscribe if you haven't already. And make sure you give us a five star review for the podcast if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and Play Like a Jet dot com.